All right. Yeah, I'm heading out on sabbatical, y'all. This is, uh, is going to be my last sermon for the next three months, um, which is uh, really nice. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I have really too many, too many things that I take greater joy in in ministry than preaching. I absolutely love opening the Word of God and um, and unpacking it with you, studying it, discovering it. Um, but it does feel a little bit like um, finishing up the marathon right now. I am just kind of limping across the finish line into summer. Not quite like the marathon. Um, there was a, a group of paramedics and a gurney waiting for me at the end of that race. Um, not here, thankfully. Um, I am tired, but I'm not ill. I am tired, but I'm not in a bad shape. I'm just looking forward to a season of real rest. So a sabbatical. I'm taking three months away. Um, just just to be clear, sabbatical is not punishment, right? I haven't done anything wrong. Um, I'm not so exhausted that I've become unsafe for the church or, you know, this isn't the elders intervening because Steve's going to do damage to somebody. Um, it's also not a reward, right? The sabbatical doesn't come because I hit some some goal or hit some numbers or or achieved something um, the uh, the sabbatical is an investment uh, it comes from an Old Testament practice where uh, every seven years a field was given rest um, uh, it was given a year off and, and over the course of that year the field was a lot allowed to lie fallow and and in doing so it was replenished in its minerals it was replenished in its ability to to be fruitful and um, sabbatical rests are uh, intentional investments in future fruitfulness, right? The Old Testament has an extensive system of work-rest rhythms, um, ultimately based on the most foundational work-rest rhythm that we find in Scripture, and that's the practice of Sabbath rest. Uh, it is pervasive throughout Scripture, uh, and so I thought today would be a great chance to teach once again on Sabbath rest. It is something that um, over the last 15 years I have just been digging into uh, and trying to understand it, not not purely on a theological level, but on a very practical level. Like, like what is it? How do you enter into it? What What is this thing that is described in Scripture? Um, and I've spent most of my adult life missing it, to tell you the truth, because I misunderstood it. Um, but the bottom line is, I'm absolutely convinced we need it. Absolutely convinced. Not just me. You, right? Not everybody gets to take a sabbatical. I understand how incredibly privileged I am to be able to take this season. But everybody needs Sabbath rest. Um, let me just ask, I mean, are you tired? Do you find yourself irritable? Quickly angered? Are you prone to anxiety? Do you find that your heart gets fatigued? and anxious? Do you have a hard time at times catching your breath? Just keeping up with life? Do you find yourself restless? To the point that you have a difficult time even resting? Like you just got that nervous energy about you, that, that, that anxiety. Um, bottom line is, y'all, you need rest. You need, you, and you need, I'm not talking about vacation, right? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a break. I'm not talking about a change of scenery. I'm talking about rest. I'm talking about deep, 
soul rest. I'm talking about Sabbath rest. We need it. Um, Sabbath rest isn't just part of God's plan for his people. It is the heart of God's blessing for his people. Right? I, I want you to catch that. Sabbath rest isn't just part of God's plan for his people. It is the heart of his blessing for his people. So I want to take this morning and just unpack a little bit um, some, some things that I've learned about Sabbath rest and, um, and invite you in to the experience. Right? Let me, let me read our verse again. We read Hebrews 4 verse 11. Uh, I'm going to read it with with um, its its context, right? So I'm going to begin in verse nine. The the, the broader context almost really is is actually almost all of chapter three and four. Um, I'm not going to read uh, those entire chapters, but I do want to jump back to to verse nine uh, and read through verse eleven. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did. From his, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. All right, there are three clear points we're going to be taking a look at this morning. And I'm just going to give you my three-point outline right up front, okay? And then we're going to work our way through it. First of all, Sabbath rest is hardwired into us by creation. And we're going to revisit these, so don't worry. Secondly, Sabbath rest is now rooted in Christ's work of recreation. And then thirdly, Sabbath benefit comes to us through delight-driven obedience. So those are our three points. That's where we're going. Okay, so let's start with the first. Uh, Sabbath rest is hardwired into us by creation. All right, when I became a believer um, at 17, obviously I had no practice of Sabbath in my life before that. Um, we were, we were kind of a tossed salad of religious experience growing up. We were practicing Jehovah's Witnesses for a time. Uh, we, we had different religions in my family. We've got it all, man. Um, got some cousins that are Mormons. We were Jehovah's Witnesses, transcendental stuff, um, Christian scientist. Um, it, 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 it's all there. Um, and, and so when I became a believer, I didn't have any concept, um, or, or really context for Sabbath rest. And the group that I became a believer in, that tribe, um, had no practice or understanding of Sabbath rest. So I became a believer in, in a context. We all we become followers of Christ. It happens, right? You, you, are, you are saved into a community of believers, and, and, um, and you're shaped by that community of believers. And, and really, for um, the next 17 years, as, as I was part of that tribe, um, really didn't have a practice and not a lot of understanding. Uh, of Sabbath rest. I knew it was a thing because I read my Bible, right? You can't read your Bible without realizing that Sabbath is a thing in the Bible and seems to be emphasized a lot. Um, when you, when you read through the Old Testament, it's all over the place, right? For the, for the Old Testament Jew, Sabbath rest went from, uh, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, right? Because the Jewish day begins at sundown instead of sunrise. And so, sundown Friday, um, they didn't do any work. Right When they were traveling through the wilderness, where they were wandering and God was feeding them with manna, God sent twice as much manna um, on, on Thursday and Friday. Uh, I don't know exactly when it arrived, but they were allowed to collect uh, twice as much manna on Friday so that on Saturday they wouldn't have to collect any food, right? Because, because the heart of Sabbath rest was, was this obedience of not, not working, right? It was the only day they could, right? If they tried to keep 
the manna two days any other time in the week, it would turn to worms and sour overnight. Um, but it was God's provision. It was God's intent. It was God's design. Um, uh, and, and, you know, in, in Jesus' time, uh, the Sabbath comes up a lot. Uh, in fact, it's one of the major areas of conflict he has with the religious leaders of his day because they're continually confronting him and accusing him of not keeping the Sabbath right, right? Of, of, not, of not obeying the many rules that they had created, right? So I knew Sabbath was a thing. I, I knew Sabbath was, was important, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's that important, right? It makes the, the top ten list of, of laws in, in the Bible, right? So Exodus chapter 20, it's, it's right there, um, and, and, and here's the thing, though. I knew, like I was taught, that Jesus came to fulfill the law. And as I studied the scripture, I came to see that we were no longer under the law, that we had been freed from the law, that the law was a covenant that has been fulfilled, right? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't abdicated. It wasn't negated. It was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law by obeying it and earning its blessing. So I knew I was not under the law, uh, and so therefore felt no obligation, um, to have a ritual or pattern of Sabbath in my life. The problem is Hebrews, <laughs> right? Hebrews, the very first book I read, right? I became a believer reading the book of Hebrews. And, and right there in Hebrews 4.9, it says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, right? And then you get to verse 11. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest. Very, very clearly, right? In fact, in the broader context, uh, the author of Hebrews is, is quoting Psalm 95 over and over and over again. In Psalm 95, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like they did in the wilderness. Today. And he pulls that word out, and, and, and in chapters 3 and 4, keeps repeating it, like, like, today. Enter into Sabbath rest today to bring that imminency, that present tense urgency to it. So, of course, I knew Hebrews 4. I just didn't know what to do with it. And so I kind of, I think, just spiritualized it. That's, that's kind of how I dealt with it. It was like, okay, there's Sabbath rest. It's, it's us resting in Jesus, right? So why don't we just all just rest in Jesus and we'll be good, right? Um, yeah, I had a really shallow understanding of what was happening there and, and, and what it even meant. Now, here's the thing. In, in those 17 years when I was part of that tribe and in that part of my, my life and uh, adult development, I was in education. So I was a, a teacher and then I was a principal. And, and when you're in education, there are rhythms that worked really well with my work patterns, right? I am... Um, I'm a work harder, not smarter kind of a guy most of the time, um, if I'm honest. Um, my, my superpower is that I just grunt um, a lot and work really hard. Um, I, I don't always come up with the best solution, but I bring a lot of force. And, um, and, and that's kind of how I work. I'm a sprint guy, a sprint and crash kind of a guy. And, and in education for 17 years, that worked really well because you could sprint really hard because there was always a finish line, right? There was always a weekend. There was always a, a break, right? There was always a vacation, right? And, and, and if you got through the, the fourth quarter, which, man, was always the just exhausting stage, you still got to summer. And even when I was in administration, the work didn't stop because the administrators, of course, their, their job is year-round, but, but the rhythms are totally different. You hit summer, and, and the administrative rhythms are totally different. You're not dealing with kids every day. 
You're not dealing with problems of parents and teachers every day. You're, you're dealing with schedules and you're dealing with paperwork and you're dealing with, with other things like that. And, and that, so I just sprint and I would crash. And, and so as a result, I didn't really notice uh, as much what that was doing to my heart, right? That sprint crash rhythm. When I entered full-time ministry, things changed because those rhythms didn't work anymore. Um, I found that I was sprinting and sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. Because every time I finished one thing, three new things had already started. Uh, there wasn't uh, a rhythm of sprint and crash. It was just sprint and sprint and sprint. Um, you finish one thing, three things start. Because uh, it's not just ministry initiatives, right? Full-time ministry is people, and people are messy. And you can't schedule when people are going to be in need. And so you have a plan, I'm going to rest then, or I'm going to crash then, and then something happens, and, and, and that gets derailed. Um, and that's just consistent, right? Um, I mean, I'm literally, this is, this is like just a small glimpse. I mean, literally, uh, and, and I wasn't even surprised by it. I was walking along the Great Wall of China. I was hiking the Great Wall of China on the phone, helping somebody in crisis back home. Like, like ministry doesn't stop. People's needs don't stop. And so it was sprint, sprint, sprint. It was about four years into ministry that I realized what that was doing to my soul. I was in really bad shape. Um, I was in the initial stages of burnout, which I came to find out later really was just work induced depression. Um, I, I loved people and I hated them. And I loved ministry and I hated ministry. And um, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And um, I had a little mini breakdown. Thankfully, God has always put the bumper rails around me, kind of like when you go bowling in the kids' alley, you know what I'm saying? Like God has thankfully placed those bumpers around me at critical times that I don't end up in the gutter. Um, I just bounce around a lot and make a little bit of noise, and, um, and God protects me from the worst of myself. And, uh, and, and through that season, people loved me well, and I had an elder team that cared for me well, and I was able to take a break, and that's really when I started studying Sabbath. Because I was like, if I don't figure this out, I don't think I can do ministry. If I don't figure this out, I don't think I can do life. I don't think I can, I don't think I'm, I don't, I'm not spiritual enough to do this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a good enough Christian to do this. Um, I will, I will kill myself and in the process probably damage others. So I started scheduling days off. Like I got committed. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start taking a Sabbath rest every single week because up to that point, I was literally working seven days a week. I was just grinding, grinding, grinding. So I took one day a week and, um, and, and I took it off. And the goal of that day was personal rejuvenation and refreshment, right? I was going to not work, and I was going to be refreshed. Uh, that didn't work, y'all, um, because really I just, I would grit my teeth, and I'd be like, I am not going to check my email today. Not going to happen. I am not going to look at the text messages that are buzzing on my phone. Not going to happen. I am not going to think about the problems that are waiting for me when I get to the end of this day. The things that I left unsolved yesterday that are still waiting for me tomorrow. I am not going to think about the, the conversations that, that I'm going to have to have. I am not. Well, you know how it works. The harder you work to not do something, the more you do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you just spend your entire day fighting not to do the thing that you're not supposed to do. Um, and I found that my Sabbath days were more exhausting 
than my work days. Like that was the dilemma. I was like, holy cow, it would actually be more restful for me to deal with the urgencies and to work past the anxieties than it is for me to try to not do it. Um, it was exhausting. Like my Sabbath was more exhausting than my work. And I came to honestly kind of dread my Sabbath. But I was, I knew I had to do something and I knew that I had been neglecting this thing called Sabbath and I was committed. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it. I, I, I don't know how this is supposed to work, but I'm, I'm just going to do it. I don't know exactly when it dawned on me. I don't know exactly when I saw it. I don't know how it happened. I don't know. What I do know is there was a moment in that season as I was wrestling with Sabbath and wrestling with this whole thing that, that something dawned on me that was critical to my understanding. And it's such a simple thing. And some of you are going to be like, well, duh, Steve. Um, but it dawned on me that Sabbath predated the law. That, that it wasn't the law that instituted the Sabbath. It, it was the Sabbath that predated the law. That, that, that the Sabbath that, that we're talking about wasn't an issue of law, it was an issue of creational intent. This was the first critical realization, that, that, that Sabbath rest isn't an issue of obedience, it's an issue of wiring. I am in my humanity wired to need Sabbath rest. It's not an issue primarily of obedience. It is an issue of being human. It is part of my creational wiring. In Genesis 1 and 2, um, especially 1 to the beginning of 2, um, you, you have a, a creational rhythm that takes place through 1, right? Um, God creates by speaking something into existence. And then he looks at it and, and he says, hmm, that's good. And then it says evening and morning were a day, right? Um, and, uh, and then he does that five times, right? So he speaks into existence. He looks at it and he goes, hmm, that's good. And then there's another day, right? So God works over the course of those first five days, speaking things into existence, huh? I love just how easy his work is. Um, and each day, he, he ends it with a declaration. Hmm, that's good, right? And then you get to day six, and he creates humanity. He creates Adam and Eve in his own image, right? And let me just read you these verses from Genesis one thirty one to 2.3. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold... It was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done, in creation. All right, some critical distinctions when he gets to day six. It's the first time that we see this, this beautiful little word, behold, right? And God saw everything that he had made, and behold. Well, who's he talking to? 
right? Every single time, every day, he's like, I speak this into existence. I look at it and I go, hmm, that's good. And now you get to day six and he's like, behold, it is very good. He's inviting Adam and Eve into the delight of his creation. He's, he's inviting Adam and Eve into this, this uh, appreciation, this joy, this response to beauty. He's like, behold. Like, like each day he creates. He's like, hmm, that's good. Now, God wasn't alone. Don't ever think that he was lonely or, right? God is Trinity. Three who's, one what, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, the great mystery, right? But, but what that means is that he's eternal community, right? God was never lonely. He is love, not because he is the abstract thought of love, but because he is the actual experience of love throughout eternity, right? He didn't create humans because he wanted to understand what love was. He wanted, he created humans to share love with them because he is the eternal experience of love. And in creation, he invites humanity into the Trinitarian delight of his creative expression. He says, hey, y'all, come. Come over here. I want you to see something. Because it's very good. It is very good. Behold, I've created this, and I've made you stewards over it. I've created this and I've given it to you as a gift. I've created this and I have created you in my image that you might image me to the rest of creation. Behold, it is very good. I am pouring out my goodness. I am pouring out my presence. I am pouring out my beauty. I am pouring out my creativity. I am pouring out my my wonderful complexity. I am pouring out my profound simplicity. I am pouring it all out into what I have created. And I have created you and unique in all of creation that you might stand with me in awe and wonder at the beauty. Behold, it is very good. And then he says, you know what? This is so good. Let's take a full day to do it. Took me six days to create everything else. We'll just take the seventh day and we'll make it holy, right? Remember the word, the root word for holy means set apart, right? For a special purpose, weighty purpose. God made the seventh day holy. He set it apart. Why? To have a full day of delight. To have a full day of wonder, to have a full day of, of, of responding and taking joy in the expression of the goodness and the glory of God. God worked and God delighted in what he had made because it was delightful. And now he invites mankind into that delight and he says, behold, delight with me, right? This is what I want you to catch and this is what I saw. He wasn't just saying, rest from your work. He was saying, rest in delight. Rest in joy. Rest from your work and take joy in mine. Rest from your labors and delight in mine. Rest from, from your labors imaging me in productivity, creativity, labor, and image me in delighting 
in the labor. The fruit of the labor, the results, the beauty, right? Don't just rest from your work, delight in God's provision. Look at everything I've made, look at everything I've done. It's a gift and it's an expression of love to you. Allow your heart to respond to that love. Rest with me in this joy. It is not just about resting from our work, it's delighting in His and it's not just about delighting in what he has created, but delighting with him as the creator. That's what I love. He's like, behold, come on, y'all, come join me. Sabbath rest isn't something we go do in solitude. Sabbath rest isn't something we go do for God as an act of obedience. Sabbath rest can only experience with God as we delight with God in the beauty of what he's created. So it is rooted in creation. It is hardwired into us. Y'all, you, you can't get away from it. It is not purely an issue of obedience. It is an issue of wiring. It is part of the basic makeup of your humanity. You need Sabbath rest. So it's rooted in creation. Now, of course, we messed up creation pretty good in Genesis 3. Right? Um, the Great Rebellion plunged all of creation into uh, the disorder of the loss of shalom. Uh, we, we, we broke every critical relationship and introduced death into the created order, fundamental separation of mankind's separation from God, our separation from our own sense of self, our separation from one another. Instead of community, we now have competition. Separation from creation, right? Instead of creation yielding joyfully to the hand of the steward, it now rises up against us with thorns and thistles. We messed up the work of creation pretty good in, in Genesis 3. But God didn't allow Genesis 3 to be the end of the story, right? God entered into the human story to retell the human story as a story of redemption, a restoration. He created, and then he showed up to recreate. And that's our second point. Sabbath rest is now rooted in Christ's work of recreation. So it's an issue of creational intent, right? It's rooted in our very creation, but that's not the end of the story. Sabbath rest is now rooted in Christ's work of recreation. God's plan isn't to take us back to Genesis 1. So God's work is incredibly amazing, man. It like blows my mind. He doesn't just restore what we lost. He recreates it and he makes it better, right? It's like we mess it up with sin and he's like, all right, I'll take care of that. And not only that, I'm going to make it better than it was. I, I am going to, to recreate it with a new and more profound glory than it had in its original state. In Genesis 1, he created mankind in his own image. Now God has recreated mankind by having been born in our image. God became man. Man as man was intended to be. Man as man was supposed to be. And he lived the life we should have lived. And then he died the death we deserved to die. As our substitute in our place. As our hero. Paying the price we could never pay. So that he could bring the blessing we could never earn. So that when he was raised from the dead. Our sins would be left on the cross. And we could be covered with his resurrection righteousness. We could be covered with this new humanity. That has been, that is now marked and defined by the nature of the risen Christ, not by the rebellion of our first father, Adam. Y'all, Sabbath rest is still rooted in our delighting with God in His goodness. 
But now we don't just delight with God in, in the original creation. We delight with God in the glory of his recreation through Christ. We don't go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Man, we go back to the end of the Gospels. Where Jesus is raised from the dead. In the glory of a humanity that is now victorious over sin and death. It is now no longer limited by the rebellion and the sin of our first father, but is being liberated and freed through the obedience of the last Adam, Christ. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus gives us a revelation of himself, but I would say even in the process, recenters. Sabbath rest, right? In Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Did you catch that? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When Jesus promises us rest, it is not separate from or distinct from the Sabbath rest of creational intent. It is a redefining of how we find rest. We don't go back to Genesis 1, man. We, we go to the Gospels. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, it's profoundly beautiful. It's also profoundly ironic. I'll talk about that in a moment, but it is profoundly beautiful. Jesus is inviting us to rest. And what's cool, y'all, is this. He's not inviting us to rest in creation. He's inviting us to rest in him. God who became part of creation. He's not saying, join me in the delight of all that I've made. He's saying, join me in the delight that I have become what I made, that I might redeem and restore what I've made. Come and delight in that kind of love. The kind of love where God is willing to take on flesh and love us even while we were yet enemies. To redeem us before we even would admit we needed to be redeemed. It is profoundly beautiful. Jesus is inviting us to rest. And not only that, it's his rest, right? Come, come and rest, because I'm going to give you my rest. That's what he's saying. Come, come hang out with me, because I will give you my rest. I just won't give you random rest. I won't give you, I won't give you qualified rest. I won't give you limited rest. I will give you my rest because it is rooted in who I am. In this passage, Jesus reveals something about, this is like the, the only time in scripture where Jesus is like, you want to know what makes me tick? Let me, let me open this up a little bit and show you my heart. And you know what you find, Jesus says? I am gentle. And lowly of heart. That's, that's who I am at the core of my being. That's who I am in my truest self. That's who I am. Come and rest in that. Come to me and I will give you my rest because I am gentle and lowly of heart. Come and rest in my heart and you will find rest for your souls. 
This is beautiful. He's not irritable and angry, waiting for us to prove ourselves or improve ourselves or fix ourselves or get better at being ourselves or live up to our potential or do better, try harder. He's not irritable. He's not angry. He's not peeved. He is not impatient. He is not growing tired with us in our many failures. He is not grudging or reluctant in his blessing. He is eager because he is gentle and lowly of heart. He's like, come rest in this heart. Come rest in this love. Come rest. Set aside your performance. Set aside your need to prove and to earn and to fix and to grow and and set aside all of your shame for all the areas you fall short and set aside all of your pride for all the areas that you think you have have succeeded. Set it aside and come and rest. Because I am gentle and lowly of heart. Christ compares that to a yoke. That's the metaphor in this passage. He says, this is the yoke, right? Come and yoke yourself to me. A yoke in the Old Testament, or the yoke in farming, it didn't matter in the Old Testament, was a way of harnessing two, two beasts of burden together so that you got twice the labor out of them. Because if you just had them without a yoke, you, you never knew which way they were going to pull, right? You lost a tremendous amount of, of energy and power because they were not harnessed together in such a way that that energy was always being channeled in the same direction. And so you would yoke them with a, 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 a wooden or a metal yoke that actually forced them to move in the same direction at all times. He's like, this is my yoke, y'all. My gentleness, my lowliness. And when you get yoked to me, The burden is light. You know why? Because my yoke carries you. You don't bring strength to this relationship. You bring weakness. You don't bring benefit to me. You bring helplessness and need. And guess what you hear in response? Gentleness and lowliness. My yoke's not heavy because my yoke carries you. Yoke yourself to me and you'll be able to rest. Because my strength will carry you. Yoke yourself to me and you will find refreshment because my love will meet you in your need. This is the yoke of Christ. It carries us. It doesn't crush us. It's profoundly beautiful. Now, it's interesting. It's also profoundly ironic in the context because Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 that I read you is at the very end of Matthew 11. At the beginning of Matthew 12, the very next passage, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, come and accuse Jesus of not keeping the Sabbath good enough. That's intentional, right? Now, I'm not saying those events didn't happen back to back, but I'm saying Matthew was intentional in the way he was telling this story. Because the religious leaders of the day show up and they're like, hey, y'all, you aren't keeping the rules of Sabbath. You aren't performing Sabbath well enough. You aren't doing it well enough. Therefore, you are condemned. You're not doing it like us. The religious leaders of the day had, had so cre- created so many rules around Sabbath that, that it became a burden instead of a joy. Right? They had all these rules. Right? You can't spit on the Sabbath. Why? Because somebody would be tempted to come and snuff it out with their shoe and that would be digging. You you can't pluck heads of grain on the Sabbath. That's work. And you're not allowed to work. Now, if you happen to have a spoon and you put it under the head of the grain and it happens to fall, that's not work, right? Ridiculous number of rules and hoops and it became this exhausting thing and the Pharisees are showing up and they're like, 
Who are you not to obey our rules? This is how Sabbath is done. And Jesus is standing there saying, I am Sabbath. I am the embodiment of Sabbath. You with all of your religious rules, you with all of your moral performance, you with all of your hoops that you jump through, you with all the ways you try to prove yourself and impress yourself and puff yourself up with your moral pride and performance. You're robbing yourself of the very thing your soul needs. Love. Stop with the performance. Stop with the shame. Stop with the pride. Stop with the self-improvement projects. And rest in my love. They weren't resting in God's gift. They were trying to rest in their performance. And it left them exhausted. And the people who followed them exhausted. They were full of pride that puffed them up. And shame that crushed them down. Y'all Sabbath. Sabbath is a need hardwired into us by creation. Sabbath is an experience that's now rooted in us through Christ's work of recreation. We now experience Sabbath rest by coming and resting in the heart of Christ. We come to grace to be loved. And in being loved, we are refreshed. And my final point, Sabbath benefit comes to us through delight-driven obedience. Sabbath rest comes to us. The benefit of Sabbath comes to us through delight-driven obedience. So, so gr- Sabbath rest, design and creation. Sabbath rest, once again given to us because of the work of Christ and the person of Christ because he died for us and rose again for us. It's in front of us. Then why don't we all have it? If it's a gift, a free gift given to us by grace, if it simply is is given to us in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ, why does it feel so far away? Obviously, I'm not doing something good enough. I'm not working hard enough. I'm, I'm not, something's wrong with me because I'm not experiencing it. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. I've always loved that wording. It's so enigmatic. Right? Work really hard to rest. It's like, all right, Barnabas, or author of Hebrews, whoever you think it is, what are you, what are you doing here, right? What, what, what is this cute little word game? You're telling me to work really hard, to work diligently, to not work, right? Work diligently to step away from your working. And this is getting into the tension that we've been exploring in Romans chapter 6 for the last month. Right when, when Paul says, present the members of your body to God as instruments of righteousness as those who have been raised from the dead. And we've talked about what that means. What that means is, is you need to believe that Christ's death and resurrection was your death and resurrection. You need, you need to just accept it as true no matter what your current personal experience is. You need to, to take what he has declared to be true as true. Right? We don't define reality by what our experience says. We define by reality by, by what he has declared it to be. And then we walk out that faith. Right? Receive this incredible truth. Now walk in that truth. Receive that incredible love. Now walk in that love. Sabbath rest is an issue of obedience. But it's not just obedience. It's obedience that is driven by delight. It is the submission that flows from love. Duty without delight is an empty effort. 
Duty without delight is, is just trying to earn what only can be received as a gift. Duty rooted in delight is submission rooted in love. And it's fruitful in love. And it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Can you imagine in your homes and in your friendships, in your marriages, in your parenting, if you just did all the right things, but doing the right things, those behaviors weren't rooted in a deep love for those that you served. You might do all the same things, but you would be robbed of the benefit of doing those things. You would, you would make all the same sacrifices. You would perform in all the same ways. And maybe you would earn the praise of people for being a good friend or a good husband or a good father or a good mother or a good, but you would be robbed of all the benefit because the benefit doesn't come from the duty. The benefit comes from the delight. It doesn't come from doing the right things. It comes from doing the right things motivated by the right motivations. It is, it is a heart that is rooted in love and expressing itself in love. We, we make the sacrifices not because it's our duty, but because it is our delight. We submit to ourselves, to one another, not, not because I owe it to you, but because I love you. And it is in loving you that I am enriched in love. And y'all, that's the heart of Sabbath rest. There's nothing that refreshes our souls like love. There's nothing that can give life to these weary bones like love. There is nothing that can give energy to this exhausted body like love. That's the secret. Sabbath rest comes to us when we are most freely, humbly, joyfully receiving and walking in love. Now, Sabbath rest doesn't come from stepping away from work. Sabbath rest comes from keeping in step with the Spirit. You want to dig into that more, go look at uh, Galatians 5. Walking in the Spirit There's so many great metaphors in Scripture that describe this exact thing. Walking in the Spirit, abiding in the vine, uh, presenting your bodies. They're all getting to the same truth. And that is that we find our life by being intimately connected in a loving relationship with the God who loves us. And that loving relationship isn't about just receiving gifts. It's about responding to love. To keep in step with the Spirit means you need to be so in tuned with God and responsive to the God that, that your, your walk is submissive to leading the Spirit out of joy, out of love. Abiding in the vine means that, that you are so connected to Christ who is the vine that, that the fruitfulness that flows out of you is a natural result of being so tied into the love of God that that love simply flows through you and transforms you. That's rest, y'all. And what's beautiful about that is that makes even our productivity rest. Even our work becomes rest because our work becomes an expression of gratitude and worship. We're not performing. We're not producing. We're not anxious. We're not being driven. We're, we're resting and responding to God even in our productivity so that even our productivity becomes part of our rest. You know, Sabbath rest isn't something we just do one day a week. I think you're starting to catch that maybe. The principle of Sabbath rest is something that should pervade our lives. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't take a day off a week. But I'm saying Sabbath rest is way more pervasive and profound than one day off a week. And if you're just looking to one day off a week, it's not going to fix you. 
right? You'll, you'll do what I did. Maybe you'll grit your teeth and obey and take your day off, but you're not going to be rested because rest doesn't come from simply taking a day off a week. Rest comes from being intimately and deeply and profoundly connected to love. So let me end with the, uh, the, the, the thrust of Hebrews 3 and 4 today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart like they did in the wilderness. Because the only thing that keeps us from Sabbath rest, y'all, is a hardened heart of unbelief. Respond to God's love and allow God's love to soften your heart. Respond to God's love and allow it to free you from your anxiety. Respond to God's love and allow it to free you from your insecurity. Respond to God's love and allow it to free you from the driving energy that is exhausting you and everyone around you. Rest. Because his heart is gentle and lowly. And his yoke is light. Man, take up that yoke. And let it carry you today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Like God's people have generation after generation after generation. Set aside your deadly doing of performing and pretending, of being religious, of fixing yourself and trying to fix others. Man, set it down. And just respond to the love of God. And in responding to the love of God, you'll be transformed by the love of God. You'll be carried by the love of God. You'll be restored and renewed by the love of God. And that's where we have to labor diligently. Man, it's work to keep responding to the gospel. You know why? Because our hearts are restless and evil. We want to keep performing. We want to keep pretending. We want to keep earning. We want to keep working. It takes work to keep responding to the love of God. We need to labor diligently to bring our hearts over and over and over to the cross and the empty tomb to once again respond to the profound love of God to us in Christ. To be undone by God's love and remade. We need to fight and work hard to keep our hearts in that place of wonder and awe and gratitude. Because that's the place where we are renewed. All right, y'all, I'm going to close this in word prayer. And uh, we're going to share communion together, and then we're going to close in a, a word of song. But first, let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll share communion. Father, I thank you. Man, I thank you for um, the incredible gift of Sabbath rest because the gift of Sabbath rest is the gift of yourself. The gift of Sabbath rest is the gift of your love. The gift of Sabbath rest is an invitation out of our incessant and insane need to be you. (laughs) And instead, the invitation back to simply resting in you to be loved by you. Man, I thank you that that when we come in our mess, you don't demand we clean ourselves up. When we show up covered in our sin, you don't demand we go wash. When we show up with with our pride and and the exhaustion of our performing, you, you don't shake your head and grow weary. 
There's a never-ending invitation of grace to come and be loved, to come and be refreshed, to come and be renewed. Spirit, would you give us the desire, the courage, the helplessness, and the desperation we need to respond to this invitation today, today, Will you teach us more of Sabbath rest? More of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. More of what it means to abide in the vine. More of what it means to be made new. Because we're loved by a God who loved us enough to become man that he might die and rise again so that we might be loved and made new. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.